All right, welcome back in another edition of the Damn Podcast. Brandon Sprague, 1080 The Fan, Angie Machado, BeaverBlitz.com. Back once again in a very, very big game this week in Oregon State, Minnesota, the big non-conference game. Um, We knew Colorado State was going to be exciting, but this was the one most people circled and said, all right, this will get you ready for Pac-12 play. And Angie, you go into it having watched two games of Oregon State, and I know they just played Portland State, but uh, what has jumped out at you the most in these two games? I have two, and I'm going to sound like the Debbie Downer of the day, but um, the offensive and defensive lines are a huge disappointment. And then the defense as a whole, and I, I probably, um, you know, Beaver fans are probably out there nodding their head in agreement because I, I'm all, all, all totally stymied over how that defense can look so clueless. Well, here's here's an interesting thing. I, I think most listeners are for sure shaking their head like, yup, yup, because I'm, I'm doing the same thing, and I did the same thing watching against Portland State. Um, but Anderson had an interesting comment at his Monday presser where he was asked about the defense, and he said, you know, watching the All-11, because, you know, he's got the access to those tapes, watching that, he feels like they're actually a lot closer then people will give him credit. He's, he thinks they're they're seriously a couple tweaks away from being where he wants them to be. Now, I feel like he has said this in the past, and at times they've come out and proven him right, but is he selling us on some coach speak right now, or do you buy that he maybe does see something and, and maybe we see it corrected this weekend? You know, it's it's funny because that Coach Clune met with the media today after practice and basically said the same thing that um, you know they've gone through the you know eleven versus eleven film and and they feel that you know they've got things they have they have things that they can fix. Uh, he said this week the D line has has buttoned things up. He likes the communication in the secondary and uh, thinks the linebackers are going to be ready to go. I, I don't know. Right now, I feel it's coach speak because I don't see that we've seen anything that indicates that they're even close on the field. Look, you always look for tangible evidence, right? Something that you can speak to and point to. And not knowing the X's and O's to the extent of those two guys, um, I will always bow down to somebody that is in the profession that spends their life's work trying to perfect the profession. But as an observer, as a guy who has watched, I watched the Portland State game twice, and I watched... Colorado State pretty closely. My 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 concern is not that hey maybe the safeties are going to be in better positions. Maybe the cornerbacks will play tighter and not allow guys to be roaming eight yards down the field without anything happening. My concern is just how can you how can we really feel this way from a fan or media perspective watching that defensive line get pushed around the way that they did. Now he says there are a couple tweaks away. Was that a tweak or was that a size strength problem? Because to me, they got manhandled by the Portland State offensive line. Oh man, and that's just it. I mean, you know, and I look at and the offensive line was very similar. I, I broke down some some um, size differentials too, especially with the offensive line at Oregon State and the defensive line. And Oregon State's offensive line outweighed the Portland State defensive line by forty six pounds. On average, per player, and that's mm-hmm. a lot. That's a lot of size. They also had two inches on them, so they got. I mean, they got pushed back on the on the offensive side. The defensive side um, couldn't handle a big sky opponent. You know, I, I honestly, I mean, we've been talking on Beaver Blitz. Is it time for a scheme change? Is this time to to get away from that three four? And you know, we had one one member today 
say what's wrong with a 335. Mm-hmm. It's aggressive, but you can disguise blitzes a lot easier. You, you get some, you know, your playmakers on the field. You know, I don't know what the answer is. Like I said, Coach Kloon today says that the D-line is, is short up. Yeah, and, and look, obviously we're just going to have to wait for it to, to play out against Minnesota. Um, but Titus Fauluga lift, uh, listed as doubtful for the game. Um, if he is not going to play, that that concerns me even more of just not having that depth against Minnesota. Here's here's the scary part. Portland State averaged 1.8 yards per carry against BYU. 1.8. Now, BYU barely, and it was 20-6. to 6. It wasn't like they came out and thumped Portland State. Portland State held their own, and that's why some people thought the Vikings were going to give Oregon State a tough matchup. But they couldn't run the ball against the Cougars. Now, the Cougars are always, they've always been a tough defensive-minded team. That's playing 35-year-old men. We know that. To go from 1.8 to, what did they, I don't even know the averages, but they finished with 291 yards on the ground. 91, yes. To go from one to the other, I mean, that's such an extreme. And that's why the cause of concern is there, I think, for everybody that watched that game. It's the offensive line not getting a push, and it's the defensive line not being able to shed blocks or make an impact and put pressure on them to go away from their running game. They didn't. They didn't feel that all game. Two hundred ninety-one no, yards. I mean, come no, on. No, and that's. I mean, Portland State lost that game because their coach was enamored with trying to throw the ball. Well, they didn't have a kicker either. They have a kicker. They make the extra points. I mean, yeah, yeah. that they, they lose. I mean, it really is that simple. People want to say a win is a win. Great, I'll give you. They're one and one. And I'm hoping to God that they correct their mistakes or problems by Minnesota. But I can't help but walk away from that game and think, you were one bad fumble that was in Oregon State territory deep by the quarterback early on and a couple extra points away from losing that ball game. You really were. And, you know, we talked before we jumped on air, the you know the team there's that vibe of um, sleepwalking through Portland State and after that loss to Colorado State I expected them to come out fired up. Hopefully that's the case this weekend against Minnesota. Well, the 11 a.m. kick is what people point to, but Portland State left Portland at 5 a.m. that day. Like yeah. those kids had yeah. to get up at 4 4:15 in the morning, uh, grab their their stuff, go onto a bus, drive an hour and a half and then get ready for a game at 11 a.m., whereas at least Oregon State had the comfort of sleeping in a hotel room, uh, waking up at probably 7.30, driving to Corvallis, getting to the stadium by 8.30, and just kind of being at home, you know? And, and so I I don't like the excuse. I don't like the hangover effect for Colorado State. That happens sometimes. I just I don't like that excuse because of how big the year is for Gary Anderson in year three. And the way they played in that second half, you expected fire. You expected energy and just a tenacity that we haven't seen from them. And three plays 80 yards later, you open up and you go, well, that was pretty easy for Portland State. And there's something about this program uh, that I've noticed since Mike Riley came back the second time. And a lot of the teams didn't have this because they'd have really good years. But the program, the years that they were like a 6 and six-win team, seven-win type team, maybe even eight wins, they'd have a game or two where you could tell from the get-go the energy or whatever they need just wasn't there. And I don't know about you, but watching on TV from my house is, I got that right away. Like the kickoff happens and they go 80 yards and score in three plays. 
I thought to myself, well, we're in for a really long day. You just you didn't get a vibe that Oregon State was in, I don't know, this kill-type mode. Yeah, and that, I mean, we saw that time and time again with, with Coach Riley, and I thought it was because the team might take kind of his, um, you know, golly darn, aw shucks mentality. Um, and, you know, Riley wasn't like some fiery guy, but Anderson is, and I expected to see these guys come out, pedal to the metal, um, you know, use this as a tune-up game and to prove all those doubters, you know, that they, you know, with the Colorado State loss, wrong. And uh, we didn't see that. So now, you know, my eyes are completely focused on this Minnesota game because I still feel like that team is, is there that potentially could could make some noise, get to a bowl game. But if they don't show it this week against Minnesota, honestly, Brandon, I don't see a lot of wins on the schedule. I know that's that is the difficult thing is sometimes you can't help but play the look forward game and we did that on the radio show this week of getting you know trying not to get too ahead of yourself but playing the what if game I mean that doesn't go their way this weekend I I just I don't look at their schedule and go that's definitely a win whereas before the year yeah, we had some game circles. You know, we yeah. talked about early that you know I I look at the way the defense is played and I look at you know univers you know UAW or USC those teams could lay 70 on that defense. Oh, they yeah, that wouldn't be hard for those programs at all. Stanford on that defensive yeah. line, getting the push that, that they do on the offensive front. Um, Washington State with that secondary. The secondary has been almost as bad as the defensive line. It goes on and on and on where you don't circle a team and go, that's a win for Oregon State, whereas we probably would have done that a couple weeks ago. Um, is there one... That is the biggest concern for you, or is is there just a couple that are they're just deadlocked? They're all the biggest concern. As far as like, problems, with, line. yeah, where they're at. Um, I, I just go back to the line. You know, I, I think there's there's athletes on the secondary. There's you know the linebackers are are strong. I mean, that, I picked them to be kind of a strength of this defense, but you know we we haven't seen that. But a lot of that is because of the struggles up front. Um, I, I just offensive line and defensive line both recruiting from a recruiting standpoint and uh, just getting the job done on the field. I want to see those guys. I want to see nasty, and we're not seeing nasty on either side. Well, which one are you more surprised by? Um, You know, probably D-line, just because all through fall camp, you know, talking to those guys, talking to Coach um, Chad, you know, it was all, you know, we're feeling good. We're feeling in the, we feel like we know the system now, second year with Coach Clune. We know the terminology. Um, they all felt like, and that was their focus all year was run, Rundy, and so I'm surprised that they're not having a better showing. Um, they haven't had a sack yet either. Yes, that's concerning. Like you thought, Portland State, they didn't get it against Colorado State. So you thought Portland State, all right, this is the game. Maybe they get three or four or five sacks. I, did they even come close? I'm trying to think of a play where they like grabbed the kid and, and he fell off and. But that kid was so elusive and athletic that I can't think of one play in particular. And by the way, he had pretty decent pass protection. I can't think of a specific play that even came close. No, I didn't. Yeah, they weren't even close. They had a few tackles for loss, but that was usually the running back. It's just it's, had the ball. it's frustrating. It really is frustrating when you think a team is going to be this or that, and and year three and the expectation that goes in with it. Gary Anderson's confidence in his group. I mentioned this preseason, but. He had this demeanor of a guy that looked at his team and said, I love where we're at. Yeah. I, I love the way that we're practicing. We feel good. And they come out and they start 0 for 2. Now, here, here's an interesting thing that was brought up by Mike Parker. 
and I thought this is a really good point. He told me today, he said he thinks of the 2000 uh, Oregon State team. Now, obviously, that was a great year, and that's not going to happen for the Beavers this year. But And just thinking of slow starts and the way people react to everything, bear this in mind, the year 2000, where they struggled with a Big Sky school in, yep. in and the first San Diego week. State. And then, um, was it San Diego State or was it New Mexico State? They, San Diego State, they uh, won by three. That's right, yeah. And, and Jonathan Smith had like 80 yards passing in that ball game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he was just thinking like at that point going into week three, everybody was kind of playing the same, obviously not as much media, but playing kind of the same conversations internally to one another of like, is this team going to be that good? Like, where are they at right now? So on a much smaller scale, obviously, does that factor in for you? It does. I, I mean, yeah, that's on a much smaller scale because that's, but you're right. I mean, Coach Anderson or Coach Erickson during that time was pretty confident. I mean, he never went out and said they're going to be the number four ranked team in the country, but um, quietly confident about that team. And that's, I think that's the hardest part for Beaver fans is that they've heard from the media who have heard from coaches just, you know, they're that confidence that this team, you know, is, I, I don't think the coaches necessarily have come out and said it's a bowl bowl year but the players have you know the players said bowl or bust I mean this is this is their um you know their goal and to see two lackluster performances and especially the way it's happened where you know the lines are getting pushed around and and the defense looks lost a lot of the time I mean um that I think has been the hardest pill to swallow and and I get it Portland State is not a team that you get up for I mean fans were were kind of dead and, and the and people not, that were there and not and there not there yeah and the ones that were were quiet and uh, granted it, it, you know it's a chicken and the egg you know is the fans need to be loud to get the players to play or do the players need to make a play to get the crowd loud so I know this week it's it's you know the team is doing everything they can to get people there um, you know, it's a big, huge recruiting weekend for the Beavers, and uh, to get some, you know, we, we talked to Isaiah Smalls, who is a commit, and one of the things he said he wants to look, he's not, he doesn't care win or loss, he wants to see the support of fans, well, and that's, you know, that's a big thing for him. Does that surprise you, though, given what, what people thought they potentially could achieve this year? Because uh, Bright Aguebu and Isaiah Hodgins uh, both had videos released by the athletic department and it was a plea for people to show up. I mean, they yeah, they, they yeah. didn't outright say you guys didn't show up for game one, but they basically alluded to as much and said, we really need people there. And the athletic department, by the way, also tweeted out a uh, a uh, small short video that, that said, buy one ticket, get one free. And like that blew my mind. I'm like, we're talking Minnesota, a quality Big Ten opponent coming to Research Stadium where there's some years we don't get any decent teams to come watch your non-conference. And they're struggling with tickets. Yeah, I mean, think about that. I mean, that that reminds me of the old buy buy mart, you know, buy one get one that used to happen like in the Pettibone days. I mean, that's sad. But and how, this, how like does you it, said, how this does is it Minnesota. Get to... This isn't a bunch of you know, um, you know, Weber State, Portland State, and Hawaii. Yeah, but how does it get to a point like that? Like that's that's my whole my whole concern. Um, and I know attendance is always. That's always a talking point for me for Oregon State, just because I know so many great Beaver fans, and I know there's a lot of great ones on social media that send questions, that listen to the podcast, that, hell, they don't even like me that much, and they think I'm I'm not positive enough about Oregon State, but I know there's great fans out there. I just, I'm blown away when I see a kickoff at 11 a.m., albeit early for some, and it's half full at the stadium, or a message saying, please show up, 
to your biggest non-conference game that is home against a quality Big Ten team, at some point there's a little of accountability, not of where the team is at right now and play, but there's some accountability for support and just feeling of a program through the fans. And I kind of look at it and I say, pretty disappointed in that department too if if we say there's sub 35,000 at that stadium. That tells me that you have like what? 10 plus thousand empty seats. That's come on. No, I know. I completely agree. And you know, it is hard. I get it. I've heard all the arguments, you know, kids sports and it's, it's a nice day. I'd rather be out. You know, I don't want to watch the product on the field, but again, it, it, it's both ways. You know, I, I came home by the time I got home from the game and, you know, we, we stayed behind, did some work, got the stories up, the videos up, got home. We watched the last half of the Nebraska game and to see that crowd. Yeah. And granted, that, that's, you know, taking it to the opposite extreme. But, I mean, that's a crowd that's going to be there win or lose. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, that's impressive. And I get it. You know, West Coast struggles. Um, you know, I, I've heard it. Beaver fan, you know, win more games and the fans will come. I get that. But at the same time, you know, and we had a discussion this morning on Blitz about, you know, you can disagree with what the coaches are doing or not feel that the coaches are doing a good job. But at the end of the day, the kids are out there. The players are trying their best and doing what the coaches tell them to do. Get out and support the players. Well, and there's a part of me, too, that... um, Because I I hear all this stuff, too, about parents and games and, hell, maybe even ticket price. Like, I get that. I don't go to every game. So I'm trying to sit here and... And uh, and and be a hypocrite at all. Um, a lot of the weekends that I can't go are simply because there's a huge slate of college football. And for my radio show, I try to watch all the games, and I don't want to stay up till four a.m. Uh, going into Sunday morning. So, um, I, I just I would like to see because the win games and we'll show up. I I mean I get that that makes sense to me, but there's also another part of year three excitement built at least the feel on social media. Don't you kind of want to be there and say, hey, we were there to, to kind of get them going. We were there at the start of it and the height of it. Because even Oregon State, um, I don't have the exact percentage and, and uh, attendance numbers, but I do know that once Riley got there and things started swinging the other way, attendance goes up and up and up. And you can watch them sometimes on the Pac-12 networks, those old 2000, uh, 2001-type games where – Parker Stadium is packed now, albeit it's bigger now. You can still watch, and the energy is like, I don't know, there's like a fan base there that's passionate about college football, whereas it feels like now I go to some of these games and I I just don't get that energy. No, oh no. It's like they'd rather be out tailgating, which, you know, I get that with the the product. But, you know, it's funny, too. Like you said, it's an 11 o'clock game. I mean, how many times do you hear, oh, I'm tired of the the 7 o'clock games? No, I hate the 7 o'clock games. Okay, so we have a game that's not seven, and it's an easy, quick get up in the morning, grab breakfast, or stop at a tailgate that has, you know, I, there were tons of tailgates having brunch and mm-hmm. fun. You know, it's not that difficult. What would you guess the attendance was, by the way, for that Portland State? Gosh, team? it was bad. I don't need. I'm so bad at guesstimating, but it was bad. They they said it was over thirty, but there was no, no. way. No, Crawford, Crawford uh, Alex Crawford was there, and he shot me a text and. I said, dude, it looks because they were doing uh, full stadium shots on the Pac-12 network, and I just I was folding laundry like honestly right before the kick, and I was thinking, oh my god, that's bad. And I text Crawford, and I go, what do you think the attendance number is? And he goes, just got here. Got to be honest, feels like twenty thousand. I'm like, oh my god, dude. I don't even know if there was that many to be honest. It felt like 
I, I looked over at the student section, and well, the, then after the half, yeah. I, I mean, granted, school's not in session, yep. but the school, the students have done a pretty good job in the past few years about showing up and getting there, and even these early games, but yeah, I, I looked over there, and at halftime, I mean, yeah, it felt like, it felt like the Pettibone years, and that's the thing the coaching staff and the athletic department needs to be so careful of, is, you know, you have a lot of, you have a lot of very loyal fans, but if you start losing that and, and apathy sets in trouble well that's you what know? i mean that's what happened riley's last year yeah it but then was, you know i look i you know you look at the, the schedule i mean was that a mistake then to open the season at colorado state because if you look right now if they didn't move that game and get this extra buy they'd be playing so we would be oregon state would be sitting one and oh right now granted it would be a you know they won by three oh goodness what do we have but at least it wouldn't be the that Colorado State loss in there too. You could at least say if they would open with Portland State one by three, you could easily point and go, "Well, yeah, Washington struggled yeah. with Rutgers and USC struggled yeah, with exactly. Western Michigan first game, first game, whatever." Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, that maybe that is going to end up being a mistake for them, but I mean, also if that the outcomes are the are the same, you're still defensively and offensively going to get steamrolled by Colorado exactly. State. So it's still, I mean, I guess it. It helps for excitement in the beginning, but then I think it quickly disappears um, after the Colorado State outcome, and then you have Minnesota. You basically have a back-to-back there with Minnesota, yeah. Yeah. and and that's why this weekend's game to me. And we'll get to a lot of the damn questions, and we got some questions at Beaver Blitz as well. Um, that's why this game to me, I I, I really do believe this. This is their season. Um, if they lose this game, whether that's close or getting blown out. I just don't look at their schedule and say, yep, win, win, win. I suddenly start looking and go, you could start one for five. Yeah. One and that's for five. The, yeah, this game is huge because they win this. They're two and one. They get some momentum. They get some confidence. Washington State, while that will be a tough game on the road, I don't see them as being world beaters right now. It just, yeah, it hinges on this game. Well, and there's an there's a question from a listener, and this listener is a pretty loyal uh, listener to the podcast and – he tweets me quite often when we talk uh, hoops or, or football on Twitter, Oregon State related. He has an interesting question, and I've differed with him on some things, and that's fine. That's the beauty of sports. That's what's fun. He has an interesting question, and one that I've seen a couple times, and I don't quite understand why people don't view it a certain way, and I don't think he does. And so I want okay. when we get to the questions, I want to ask that question. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I... I let you guys know what listener and uh, and what question that is, but um, I, I don't know what they fix on the offensive line. Like all the tweaks that they talk about on defense, I don't know. Has he really addressed the offensive line problem because they haven't been able to run the ball to the extent of which I think he wants to? Exactly. No. Exactly. That's um, going to be a big one. Would he make a change? Do you think there's going to be a change made? I don't know. I mean, he's been pretty loyal. I mean, do you put Yanni out there? Do you do you put Cammy out there? I mean, what do you do? Well, you know, Cammy played this last game, and I know um, we Peter Osborne, who does our trench report, we just released today. He goes through and looks every single snap. He goes back. I, I mean, honestly, I love the guy because and he grades them. He grades every lineman, all five linemen, on every single snap. Grades them out and. We award the golden sled every week to the best offensive lineman who was Sumner Houston, and Sumner Houston still graded out to a D. Wow. Uh, you know, and his thoughts to me, you know, he talked about, you know, he's like, Cammy didn't play well. Wait, 
So the best he graded the best lineman of everybody that played for them was Sumner Houston, and he graded as a D. A D, and this is you know this is not Oregon State's grading system. And Peter says, you know, oh, I, I know, I know, I grade really hard, and but that's the way I was graded when I played offensive line. So um, I, I grade the same ways, and you know, and he you know he said Trent Moore had kind of a sophomore slump game, um, has has flashes, you know, but um, you know he just he's quite frankly, you know, he says it's there's still a work in progress. See, basic- and, and he agreed with me in, in our, he said, she said the week, you know, I said, we're not seeing the nasty. And that is something that, you know, I think when Sean Harlow returned last year, that's what he brought to the table was really that mean streak. Well, and so- <clears throat> they don't have it. Well, you know, I, I had a, a few people reach out and say, you know, last year they figured out the offensive line. It doesn't have to be the end all be all. There's no doubt. Uh, maybe they can turn a corner. My my only concern is you don't have a Sean Harlow on your bench. You no, don't have a guy no. that was hurt and maybe you're going to redshirt to suddenly say, screw it, I don't want a redshirt, I'm going to come yeah. back, and it, everything clicked. You don't have yeah. that. No, he was the he was the cog. Yeah, because then they made their changes, and suddenly their running game and their pass protection got better, and we saw how that ended their year against Arizona and Oregon. Again, and again, against two of the worst defenses in the country. And that's another thing that, that so, should you know, be pointed out. But I mean, I love the people that, and I, and I nothing against Marcus McMarion, but you know, it, it cracks me up to see people still talking. Well, if Marcus McMarion was here, oh, hey, Mark, there'd be no difference. There's no difference. I no. mean, Mark, that you know, Jake has a gr- way better arm, and you know, Marcus played against, those wins were against two of the most awful defenses in the Pac-12, so well, or in the country, honestly. Yeah, I mean, so, Oregon was 126th, and Arizona was like 119th 19, or something. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say like 19. So um, anyway, I mean, it's there's always, you know, the woulda, coulda, shouldas, but um, I, I just, they need to address the recruiting on the offensive line and the recruiting on the defensive line. And I get it. It's tough, you know. But that's why schools like USC and, and Stanford and, and Washington do so well because they've done so well recruiting the lines. Um, but, um well, where are they at right now with that? Um, so, you know, I was going to give the listeners a, a quick update on the official visits for this weekend. Um, several, some, some big-time playmakers. So safety Isaiah Tufaga is coming in from, he goes to St. Louis in Hawaii, on Honolulu. He'll be in town. He's a, a safety linebacker. Um, Isaiah Smalls, the tight end commit from Dorsey, Los Angeles Dorsey, will be in town. Andy Cook, the strong side defensive end from Rose, uh, Corona Roosevelt, will be here. And he's another commit, um, big-time playmaker. That's one I'm excited about. You know, we talk about defensive line. He's, uh, he's one I'm excited He's 6'6", 250 right now. That's a big get for Oregon State. Uh, Jake Ducart is the athlete quarterback, two-sport, um, you know, quarterback baseball player from Lake Oswego will be in attendance on his official visit. And then Anthony Spurlock from New Orleans, Edna Carr. Now, I know a lot of your listeners, will Edna Carr, they know that that's one of the top programs in the state of Louisiana. This kid is not yet ranked. He's 6'1", 160 pounds. But if you can get online and watch his film, He's one of these guys you just send on a go route because he's so fast and uh, can come down with some big catches. So that'll be a fun one, you know, to see how he, he's really excited about his trip and uh, just one of those electric playmakers that, you know, I think is really – there's a lot of schools and a lot of talent down in that southeast area, and I think he might be a little – maybe one of those diamonds in the rough. Um, of, the, of the ones coming, is there any that you would circle 
and say the attendance and the energy from the crowd might play a little bit of a factor of how somebody feels? Well, you know, three of these guys are already committed. So um, two of them, they're, you know, they're trying to, to win commitments from. But Isaiah, you know, we spoke with Isaiah Smalls, the tight end from L.A. Dorsey. And, you know, this is a kid who's the number six ranked tight end in California, um, number 40th in the country, big kid, 6'4", 220 already. Um, he loves watching the film with Togi Eye and how they will utilize him as a tight end. But he flat out said, he goes, you know, I don't care win or lose about the team because I believe in what Coach Anderson is saying and, and what the coaches are doing. But what I want to see is the fans and how they react, how they're into the game, um, you know, how they react win or lose. So I thought that was interesting because you don't hear that all the time from a from a recruit or a commit. Well, I can't. I also can't blame kids for you know some kids have no choice and have to go to the best scholarship school they can, whether the crowd is not very good or not. But you know, a kid that's the sixth best tight end in the state of California has other options, and I can't really fault him if you you're leaning Oregon State and then you show up on campus and of a forty five thousand seat stadium. There's 30,000 there, and you can clearly see the empty areas, and it's not very amped up, and it's a big non-conference match. Like, I can't fault a kid at all for maybe walking away and going, all right, well, they're not, they don't really care that much. Yeah, I mean, this is a kid who, as I'm going through his offer list, he's Arizona, ASU, Cal, uh, Colorado State, Florida A&M, Fresno, um, Oregon's offered, um, so he's got some big time, Purdue. He's got big time offers, so um, yeah. Well, it's going to be a good weekend for um, in town visits. Hopefully, um, it goes the right way. I want to ask you about Jake Luton before we get to uh, uh, some of the questions. What, what have you made of him two games in? Um, I have a I have something interesting about him that I think, but I'm just curious your thoughts. You know, I was asked this by um, the the Minnesota scout publisher just on his Ask the Expert piece, and he wanted me to grade him. And I, I went back and kind of looked through. I, you know, I, I gave him a C. I, I, think, I think Jake has done some things really well. I think he's doing what they ask of him. Um, I, I don't like that uh, three touchdown to four interception ratio right now. But, um, I mean, that play, that drive he led at the end of that Portland State game was money. And he can make the big throws. So, um, like I said, I, th- I think there's room for improvement, but I, I don't think it's um, out of the realm to say that he'll continue to grow. Yeah. Well, here, here's the other thing, too, is I think that last drive for me kind of just solidified how I feel about him, whereas more snaps, more time, let him get more comfortable in the role that he is and with the playbook. And I think that is the potential there, where it's a kid that can take them down the field with his arm in a span of two minutes and yeah. right down the yeah. field and get a score. And one, I loved the the composure he kept. I know it's Portland State, but you still have to go down on that drive and score a touchdown or you lose. And he was calm, collected, and made some money throws on it, including the go-ahead touchdown uh, to Isaiah Hodgins. The, the other thing that I noticed, and this is a part that I don't like, I'm really not liking this whole dump down throw factor where it felt like five straight throws he's throwing two yard little check down passes that needs to go away a little bit I I get time and place for those plays but it feels like he gets a little too comfortable at times with that throw yeah but you know and to Togi I mean teams are going to start keying on that that leads me to a question for you now I know how I felt about this but what did you think about putting Thomas Tyner in the slot 
and having him on the field at the same time as Ryan Nall. Well, I think any time... Well, look, we, we've talked about this. They should be doing that way more. If they, I agree. They have Art Pierce was a mother bleeping stud in that game. Well, Ryan, and Trey Johnson. His yeah, one Trey Johnson. Was... Yeah, you're right. He had a touchdown and he had a couple nice runs. Like... They are loaded in their backfield. Not not loaded to the level of maybe other programs, but in yeah. the Pac-12, they have a really good backfield. The fact that they're not utilizing some of those kids more often, whether that's two in the back, one in the slot, that really, I think, has got to frustrate Oregon State fan because we know Tyner is a really talented player. We know what Ryan Nall can do. And I think at this point, Art Pierce has proven who Art Pierce is, the football player. And oh, by the way, Trey Johnson came onto the scene and had a pretty nice showing. I love his speed. I love his size. When you have those kind of weapons, I think you should be utilizing those way more than they have thus far. Yeah, and I I think those guys, you put your playmakers on the field, and right now I would put those guys ahead of maybe some of the wide receivers that are playing. Um, And I know you can't have four running backs in the game at the same time, but... But, you know, I, I, there were tons of people on Beaver Blitz that were, were moaning in, about Thomas Tyner on two touches. But I loved the fact they're building that whole fly sweep motion with him. He got it once. Um, that's just building for the future. I mean, that's going to start, especially, you know, I, I think key, teams are kind of keying on Ryan Nall, and they, they kind of have, yeah. especially with the O-line not blocking as well, um, he's getting caught up and tripped up. But you start throwing that fly sweep in a little bit, um, you know, and, and Tyner gets more more comfortable with that role. Then you you know you have Art Pierce. I mean, he you're right. He was a stud on uh, on Saturday. So yeah. um, I, I, it's, it's interesting to you know hear how you know what people's thoughts are on that. Yes, please put them in more together. Whoever, whatever the combo is, Nall Johnson, Tyner Pierce, Pierce Nall, whatever it is. We've got to play two of them way more uh, than they already have. What did, what did we think of the the wide receivers? Real quick, I I don't did we hear Timmy Hernandez's name called after a great opening week? Yeah, I didn't. I mean, pretty pedestrian except for uh, Hodgins' big last catch. Nothing really standing out to me, like off the top of my head. Yeah, and I think that's that's the concerning part too. Like Hodgins came on, and I'm I'm happy that a, a freshman got that moment, but like Villaman and. Hernandez and Bradford, like they're just, I don't know. This, this is going to be, this, this is why I think there are people that realistically, even if it feels pessimistic, don't feel great about the, the team's odds this year. Yes, completely. I it, mean, that's part of it, you know? That's, uh, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, that's, hey, you got a dog in the background. No yeah. big deal. We yeah. all have, uh, we have animals. I got a dog in my background too. Um, all right, so we should we get to the questions? Let's get to some questions. All right, um, let me bring them up. Let's start with the uh, the Blitz ones, and I'll bring them up on uh, on Twitter here. Okay, here um, here's uh, C Beaver says odds that the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator are still on board after the game. <laughs> Do you, I mean, so... and then he says, is Anderson the type of leader to make drastic changes when needed? Oh, I think I he think is. he is. Yeah. yeah, I think he definitely is. Um, I don't know if he's the type that would just fire someone at the end after a game um i do think he's going to you know if he evaluates the end of the year and things aren't where he wants them definitely he's not going to be the you know bruce reed mark banker long time hangers on well so. i mean he he dumped uh he dumped baldwin from oc after one year yeah. so yeah. i i don't think he is uh i don't think he's afraid to make a change at all now after the game they, I think they would have to look so. They would have to lose like forty-five to nothing 
I think for him to make changes right after that game. Yes. I mean, that, that's my only feeling. And even then, oh, yeah, it would point. have to be, yeah, it would be bad. Yeah. Um, and then Steve Beaver also adds on here in this, you know, he said totally different topic, but it's been ongoing. Is Oregon State aware that there are still Beaver fans that are interested in buying Beaver merchandise? There is excitement for jerseys not being taken advantage of by OSU. And that's not Oregon State, Sea Beaver. That is Nike. Nike's in charge of, of all that fan gear, the jerseys, and uh, Oregon State doesn't play a part in, in what gets produced by Nike and sold by Nike. Wait, what, what's going on with the jersey thing? Say it again. Oh, he was asking. So they haven't re- uh, released any new jerseys for years, and a lot oh. of people have been looking for these new 11 Strong jerseys, and, and they're blaming Oregon State for not getting them out there, but that's a complete Nike, you know, Nike, per, you know, decides what gets made and sold to consumer. Well, when you say Oregon State jersey, the only one that I can think of that I've seen recently, because I go to the uh, the Nike stores quite often, is uh, the Cook 7. Yeah, they have, they've had the Cook 7 and the 24. The, um, Storm Woods. Storm Woods 24. Yeah. Yeah. But nothing new lately, so. Yeah. Um, let's see. The Beaver Believer says, is the coaching as bad as people on the forum are claiming? Or, we, or have we set, as fans, unrealistic expectations? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I think we, yeah, I think you always as fans, and fan is short for fanatic, I think we do set expectations that are a little unrealistic. But, I mean, the coaching staff, right now, I I think it is as troubling as people are making out to be. And I can't speak for everybody on your website, but I just know how I feel watching them. And and this is two games, and I'm counting recruiting, by the way, as a part of coaching. I feel like they've been out-coached. Yes. I mean, just quite frankly, yes. the second half, there was no changes made at all to their scheme or exposing Colorado State, whereas the other way, it felt like Colorado State completely exposed Oregon State, and their team was ready to go in the second half. Portland State, I mean, I tweeted this. I thought they got outcoached. I thought the quarterback play leaned Portland State till that kid got hurt, and they just, Portland State looked like a team on a mission to win, whereas Oregon State looked like a team that thought they'd just be handed a win. Yeah, they would show up and win. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, we've kind of talked a little bit about this. Black Bandit wants to know if Jake Luton under center, under center would be a better way um, for helping Nall get a full head of steam as he hits the line. I'm trying to remember last year when they, their last two games, how were they under center versus handing off? I, you know what? I don't remember. This it, was actually a comment made because one of our, 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 uh, our members actually sat by a scout during the football game. Yeah. And the scout actually said, you know, I'd rather see, you know, Jake Luton under center. I, I think that would help with the, the line struggles and it would get, you know, give the running back more time to pick up full, full head of steam. And so that, that's why it's been talked about on blitz. Well, the problem with that, uh, the only problem with that, I think is just where football is at right now in the college ranks and even the pro ranks for that matter how often do you see true under the centers? You, it just doesn't happen very often. And Luton might not be one that's been under center in years. I mean, yeah. who, who knows if he did it at Idaho? Who knows if he did it at the JC level? Maybe he's not comfortable doing that. And if you don't practice it, um, bad things tend to happen in that situation. But I, I completely see that listener. Uh, I see the point there of, yeah, get under center, give him some more running room instead of just a direct snap and a, a handoff right next to you. Yeah, I mean that we there's tons, I'm just going through the questions here. Lots about uh about co- uh, coaching and recruiting. JT, I'm going to grab this one because 
JT Beaver is one of our longtime subscribers, always brings up great points. He wants to know, why do the players appear to be so confused on defense? Oh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I know. I know that's like the million dollar. And, you know, honestly, JT, I don't know if the coaches, you know, watching Coach Clune's interviews this afternoon, um, and that'll be up on Beaver Blitz here as soon as I can pop it up after we're done taping. Um, you know, he talks about, I think they're just as confused. You know, he says they're looking at film and, and trying to figure out what's going wrong and, and how to get the guys in a better position to make plays. And so, you know, it's not like the coaches are, are sitting back saying, you know, you're you know, round hole, square peg. I, I really do think they're trying to uh, remedy what's going wrong. Well, and let me just add to it of, I know that's an answer. You get your question in and you're like, okay, great. They literally didn't answer it. I've talked to a couple people that I work and, and know, a, who know football really well because they played. They don't have an answer. Like, yeah, you, you no, watch exactly. Team and it's kind of just like, I don't really know why they're this way. Here's my kind of follow-up to that question. And maybe it's almost an answer that I put with a question mark. Maybe they're not that good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, maybe it really is as simple as admitting that they're not as good as we think they can be. Yeah. I, I mean, like, like, I'll take, um, you know, this is not singling out in particular one particular player because it's been a group effort of inconsistency. But like I've noticed Brandon Arnold is a senior and I, I love the kid to death, but there have been a lot of plays where you're seeing him turn around to to catch up with somebody or play the ball wrong and i've seen the dbs do it and and taking wrong angles on tackles yes just right? wrong angles on the on the on the defensive line and and some of the linebackers i i just think maybe it's a it's and a mixed bag camp out of shape i mean that's, that's well pretty... that's, here's my problem with that that's a bigger concern and problem to me um and taking a wrong angle or yeah, yeah be, you're right because that is all on you well, it's not only all on you. Gary Anderson has done nothing but brag about how much stronger and faster and bigger his players are going to be. If they're coming in out of shape, that means they're telling me they're not taking the workouts in the offseason as seriously as they need to. Yeah, exactly. That's a scary part. And, you know, where's the, you know, respecting your coaches and what they're telling you? Yeah. Um, Beaver 77 says we're in year three of a pretty total or a pretty much a total rebuild. Most folk, folks were content with the rebuild taking four to five years. Why the change in attitude from Beaver fans? Did we just buy into the hype perpetuated by the media regarding the offense and defense being improved? Um, good question. I, I don't know if it's not necessarily a year three and we're freaking out because it's year three. I think it's more of the hype to me was as eternal as it was external. So we say the media, right? The media hype. That's a lot of that's on Gary Anderson and that program of saying the next jump, the players, how many times have they been quoted? The next jump is a bowl game. Mm-hmm. When they set an expectation, that's when the expectation reaches externally. And by the way, I don't even know if the media is expecting that locally. It might on the podcast, on blogs, whatever. But if you go look at national pundits, I've seen one out of six that have picked Oregon State to make a bowl. Everybody else doesn't have Oregon State bowling this year. So yeah. uh, I don't even know if that's a, an external pressure applied by just the media. I think fans have that feel. Um, and to me, it's just about how bad you have looked. That's the yeah, concerning yeah, part. exactly. Because you're not getting better. It's not like you're showing signs of like baby steps. It's, it's just the fact that... Well, what did they get better in from game one to game two? Nothing. 
In fact, he makes you feel worse even though they won. Exactly, exactly. So and that's, like that's the problem. Um, DY8080 says, in one word or short phrase, how would you label Gary Anderson's tenure at OSU so far? Meh. Yeah, I said pedestrian. Yeah. I mean, uh, we, we interviewed uh, the Nebraska color guy because they were going to be in Eugene, and I, I asked the question, I said, what has surprised you the most about Riley's tenure in Nebraska? And I thought his answer was very telling. And I kind of feel the same way about Gary Anderson of, he says, the biggest surprise to me of Riley and Lincoln is I have yet in three years been able to identify what he has made better for the program. Wow. And and I I know that might be blasphemous for some, but I can't pinpoint that for Gary Anderson yet. Yeah. I mean, I think he's trying to get them to be tougher, tougher minded, but, you know, I, I sure as hell didn't see that on Saturday. Well, yeah, and that's my whole thing is that can yeah. turn this weekend against Minnesota, exactly. right? Exactly, absolutely. The season, at the end of the year, we can look back and go, you know, I think he's taking this position or or this part of the program in the right direction. I don't know if anybody out there can tell me what he has made better with the program since he got here. Because yeah. it, it ain't the recruiting. It's not the quarterback play. Um, defensively, to me, it's basically the same thing. Um, so I think right now it's just kind of a meh. You know, yeah. pedestrian's a good yeah. way to put it as well. Um, Matt Chifoni says, would it be a mistake to look for a new D.C.? That would mean three D.C.s in four years if a new one is brought in after this year. Yeah, I'm not ready to get rid of coaching uh, yeah. coaches yeah. quite yet. Um, there's still a long way to go for me just because I don't want to overreact. You know, what if they come out this weekend and they give up 13 points to Minnesota? Are we suddenly changing our tune on Exactly. Kevin I mean, I, I still... I. I just have that feeling that this team is not showing us what they are yet. And I, and I told that to the, the Minnesota writer in, my, in the Ask the Expert this week. I, you know, I just, there's that part of me, and, and maybe they do. Maybe they get totally blown out and they continue the trend that we've seen the past two weeks. But there's that piece of me that says that, that those first two games aren't what this Beaver team is made of. Yeah, and, I, and maybe I'm being the overly optimist, but you know, I went back actually answering these questions, and you know, you look at that Colorado State game, and yes, it was a meltdown. They put 58 points up on against the uh, the defense. Uh huh. But what got me is I, I went back and really, you know, taking the emotional side out of it of like watching it live, and you know, you look at that. That that was a 10 point game with 11 minutes left. It was you know four. They had the ball. Oregon State had the ball. Seven times mm-hmm. in the second half, the last seven, number seven, was to end the end of the game. Four turnovers. Four out of their seven were turnovers. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I, I get it. Turnovers are part of the game, and that's – but the same time, that was a major just snowball out of control. So I'm hoping that, you know, we see that team we saw the first half against Colorado State. And we see them play four quarters against Minnesota and, and beat them. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm hoping for, too. And, you know, this is the weekend where we mentioned the energy or lack thereof for Portland State. Zero excuse. 7 p.m., yeah. lights will be on. It'll yeah. be like a Friday night lights feel new, for all those players. New, uh, new uniform. New They're... unis. Uh, attendance is for sure going to be better. I don't know at what extent. It'll be better. FS1. Zero excuse to not come out of that that game and just be jacked out of your mind playing uh, substantially better than you did versus Portland State. Exactly, exactly. You got any more from uh, Blitz or do you want to go to Twitter? Well, let's jump over to Twitter and and let's give them some love too. Okay, uh, the first one I'm scrolling here. 
This first one comes from Eric. He says, what's up with Christian Wallace? What's going on with Christian Wallace? Christian Wallace, you know, is just, I mean, everybody keeps wanting Christian Wallace. He was a big, highly ranked uh, recruit, but he's just not there yet. You know, he's not ready to be on the two deep at cornerback. So, um, you know, hang tight with Christian as he continues to develop and, and learn the system and, and learn, uh, the, you know, how to be a cornerback. But he's just, you know, some guys are able to come in and, you know, the rankings are their rankings in high school and, and how, how big they are, you know, how um, much of an impact that you know, the recruiting analysts think they'll make at the next level. But, um, you know, he was mostly a running back in high school. And, you know, this is a, a completely different position for him. So, um, you know, be patient with him and uh, give him some time to learn the system. And, you know, some guys pan out and are amazing and, and others don't. So, you know, that's, you know, just got to wait and see with him. There you go. Another one from, uh, I hope I say this name right, and I'm sorry if I say it wrong, but appreciate the question. Uh, Isidro. Isidro. I think that's, I hope that's how you say it. And I'm again, I'm sorry if I screwed that up. I'm an idiot. Uh, he asks, what bowl game do you think we will play in this year? Holiday? Alamo? Sun? None of the above. Mm, are you going no bowl game at all? No, I'm not there yet, but I don't know if we're going to be in one of those, um, you know, those are the, like, what, number two, number three, number four Pac-12 games? Maybe maybe that San Francisco Bowl? I don't, I don't even know what it's called anymore. Um, if I'm to answer this honestly right now, I feel like none. Like, no yeah. bowl game. Um, but again, I will, I have no problems being wrong. That's the fun in sports to me. And if they come out and beat Minnesota, you're right back in the hunt. Yeah, you're right back in the hunt. Um, but yeah, I mean, it could be none, but, uh, I, I wouldn't say one of those top three ones. No, no, no. I, I think they've, they've moved well past that one. This one from Kevin, he says, uh, O-line had a hard time opening holes so far. Thoughts on quicker hitting run plays. Current run plays are slow developing zone blocking. I'm really glad Kevin asked this question, Angie. Yeah. And before I, I go to you for your, your thoughts, what I really noticed for Portland state and I, I just didn't tweet this, but it felt like when they hand off, it's taking two seconds. Like he's holding it, and then the handoff process is in slow motion. So I'm really glad Kevin mentioned this because I I think I think their run plays take forever to develop. Well, that's you know watching watching this offense, and and maybe you you will totally disagree with me, but it's like I'm hearkened back to Mannion Riley. And the slow developing plays and the – now, the, the one thing I will give credit to is they get the plays off a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. The plays are coming in. They're getting the ball snapped a lot of times with 15 seconds still on the shot – or not on the shot clock, the um, play clock. Um, but, yeah, slow developing plays. Now, I, I do think Luton has a quick release, which I think is, is really positive. But I completely agree, especially when your run blocking is, is struggling to, you know, to open up those holes. Um, Part of it, though, is, is just hitting that hole and not dancing around either, you know, grabbing the ball and going. But yeah. that's, that's where the discussion on blitz has been about going under center. It makes it a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. If, if, you know, if Luton can take the snap and directly turn and, and Nall already has a, a full seam ahead. Yeah, so that's a good question, Kevin. Good, uh, good question submitted. This one from Noel. Last year, Coach A said that we were right on track with the rebuild. This year, after the first game, he said uncharted waters. Which is it? Well, he said uncharted waters with that 58 points put on him at Colorado State and getting blown out there. I don't think he meant the whole season has been uncharted waters. It was um, a quote in regard to that first blowout loss. 
and, you know, honestly, what he says in private might be completely different, but I think he still says, I mean, just like he's telling us that Craig Evans is exactly where he thought he'd be. And I mean, you get a lot of coach speak. Yeah. Um, this one from Sean, he says, after Colorado state, we knew our run D and run blocking both needed to improve. Neither did against Portland state. Are we really as close as the coaches say? Well, this, I go back to kind of like what you said earlier in the podcast, it appears no. I mean, to our eyes and to fans' eyes, it appears that, you know, they're a long ways off. But I guess at the end of the day, I have to defer to coaches who have watched a lot more film than me and make a lot more money than me <laughs> yeah. to know what's going on. Yeah. And, and spend, you know, spend a lot more time around the team. I mean, the media gets 10 to 15, 20 minutes at the end of the practice. That's what we get. So um, these guys are, they, you know, eat with them. They practice, you know, they're out with them all the time. Yeah, I'm going to go on a gut feel here and say defensive line, prove it to me this weekend. Fine, I'll believe Gary Anderson. I don't know if I feel the same about the offensive line, and I don't feel like he's talked about it quite as much as the other side of the ball, Um, but I just don't know what they can possibly do to suddenly be stronger than the defensive line they face and start opening bigger holes than what they have given Ryan Nall or any other running back. They weren't stronger than Portland State. And then I look at the schedule and I say Minnesota, Washington State, Washington, USC. Like, I just start going down the schedule and I go, why are suddenly Washington's defensive line not going to be able to To push push around around the offensive line of Oregon State? So I don't don't feel as optimistic about the offensive line um, as, you know, maybe Gary Anderson does about the defensive line. But I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. Um, this one from Josh, over a thousand yards of offense given up in two games, no sacks recorded. So which new starters will we see on defense? It's, you know, the the depth or the two deep depth depth starts comes out every Tuesday and there has been no changes. None. Zero. So um now so be- they really feel they they buy what they say, that they think they're yeah. really close. They think they're close. Um I don't think fans agree with that sentiment, by the way. That has been no. like an overwhelming, no way I'm buying what he is saying on that one. Exactly. All right, here is the uh, the question. This might be our last question. Um, and this is the one that I find very interesting that I mentioned earlier in the pod. And okay. this, this one's from Ben. And okay. Ben's a longtime listener. We disagree on some things, and then other times we agree. He says, won three of the last four, soon to be four of the last five, Won three in a row at home, including the Ducks. Why the panic? The panic by Beaver Nation, I and I'm going to just talk from what I've seen on the board and on Twitter, is the fact that, yes, like we said, though, those wins against Oregon and Arizona came against awful defenses. And quite frankly, the teams looked better prepared and better ready to play than they have. And I think that's where the panic sets in is these when when the defense looks lost and when the offensive line is getting pushed around and the D-line can't manage to get a sack against the Big Sky team, that's some reason for concern right there. So I'm glad that Ben asked that question because I've actually seen this um, a couple different times from other people as well. And look, I get it. Like You point to what they've done, you know, three of your last four, maybe it turns into four of your last five. Again, and I hate to preface this, I'll do it one more time. If they beat Minnesota, I think we're all going to feel so much different exactly, about exactly. this program. But right now, based on what I have seen, I I just I can't help but I don't know if panic's the right word, but I feel a little concerned. 
right? Like, I'm not, the end of the world is not here for Oregon State's football program, but I feel concerned of, they, they, they don't look very good on the offensive line and defensive line. Like, you can win, and they do this metric all the time in the NBA or in the NFL where teams win, but they, they show the margin, they show point differential. Oregon State, to me, even though they're one and one, that's not a convincing feel good about winning the game against Portland State. And if it was, then I wouldn't be sitting here feeling as concerned. I'd say, look, you had it against Colorado State, and then it snowballed, but you re- you re- rebounded and you played substantially better and ended up beating Portland State by two touchdowns. Whereas yeah, yeah. that didn't happen. You got pushed around. You escaped with a win and only won by three points. You can have different feels to a win and a loss. You can lose a close game and say, damn, look how close we are. They did that last year against Wazoo where they had a lead and blew it. They did that against Stanford where they were, I think, tied or just barely trailing going into the fourth, and then Stanford ran the whole fourth quarter. And they ended up losing those games, and you walk away going, I feel like they're close. Yeah, they're close. Yeah, but they win. You look at a game at Portland State where they won, and you walk away saying, damn. They got lucky. They could have, yeah, they should have lost that, that game. That should have been a loss. Yeah, you know, Sukanik, who, you know, obviously Isaac and Suk on, on the fan, yeah, he was saying that he thought Portland State was the better team. He's they were. The, he said the, Port- yeah. the better team did not win that ball game. Yeah, I completely and so agree I, there. I think, Ben, to answer your question in a really long way, um, we can disagree, and that's still fine, but I think that's why people are panicking or concerned or... Uh, unhappy is because it's the way that it looks, at least right now, in, in what was supposed to be a, another jump in year three with Gary Anderson. But I, let's just put that, like we've said several times, next week's pod could be completely different if they beat Minnesota, or at least look a lot better doing, you know, playing the game. Um, okay, so right now the spread is two. Oregon State is actually favored. Seven o'clock kick. P.J. Fleck rowing the boat. They barely beat Buffalo. It was 17-7. They didn't get a bye week. Um, or no, they beat Buffalo last weekend. What are we thinking about this game? Give me a little prediction real quick. I, you know, I don't think there's going to be a ton of points scored. I, I'm, and I'm going, I'm sticking with the Beavers. I, I am going to stick with the Beavers 21-17. So you're going with the Beavers to bounce back and be 2-1 and one in the non-conference going into Pac-12 play. I am. I, I, I'm not off... I'm still rowing the boat for the beef. <laughs> I was going to say, you got to be careful when you say that this week. I guess, yeah. Um, I love it. I love the optimism. I, too, think it's going to be closer than people are going to give it credit for. When I said the spread was two, almost everybody said a gimme Minnesota plus the two in a blowout. Um, I disagree. I think this is their Super Bowl. This is their season, folks. I really do believe this. If they don't win this game, uh, I think they are s- so screwed for Pac-12 play. So, all that being said, I think Minnesota is going to eke one out, and I think they're going to win 24-21. to 21. Okay. So, I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I'm just going off a gut feel. Uh, really concerned of the offense and defensive lines. And by the way, this, the numbers I said earlier with Portland State, 1.9 yards per carry against BYU, and then turn that into almost 300 on Oregon State. Don't don't be fooled by Minnesota's numbers. They struggle with the run too. Three yards per carry against Buffalo. Well, right now I'm very concerned that that's going to go to six or seven. Yeah, versus I was Oregon just going to say I, I have a feeling that could be six. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully we see a uh, a better turnaround and a better game. Anything else? 
That's it. Just make sure to listen to, to Dirt and Sprague and uh, check out Beaver Blitz. There we go. Good stuff from Angie Machado, as always. Beaverblitz.com. Check me out on 1080 The Fan, noon to 3, Monday through Friday. All right, Oregon State fans. Uh, sorry if we didn't get to your question this week. Great question submitted by all. And uh, even if you disagree, still fun to talk about Oregon State. Hopefully they get a win. It's 7 o'clock at Reeser Stadium. Hope you're able to make it down. If not, hopefully you're rooting on the beefs to uh, to turn around and go 2-1 heading into conference play. We'll be back with another edition of the Damn Podcast next week. Stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter at Brandon Sprague and at Angie Machado. And we'll be back with another edition, another episode next week. Good luck to the beefs this weekend. Go beefs.